welcome. This is the Dating Counselor Podcast, the show that takes you out of the dating game and into a successful relationship. I'm Lonnie Harmon, and I'm a licensed therapist, and I am the Dating Counselor. Thanks for listening. So what does it take to create a successful relationship? Well, that is the question that I am out to answer in teaching you my new class, The Relationship Screening Method. Go over to thedatingcounselor.com, click under Courses, and learn more about this new course that I'm offering on a virtual platform that also comes with weekly live coaching sessions with yours truly. So that's again, go to thedatingcounselor.com, look under courses and look up the relationship screening method so that you can actually apply the method to then begin creating your successful relationship. Hi, and welcome to the Building a Successful Relationship podcast. My name is Lonnie Kennington Harmon. I'm a licensed clinical social worker, and I will be your host as per usual. I'm so happy that you have joined us here. You guys, today I am like so pumped because I have one of my dear friends who has agreed to be vulnerable and share her story with you. And not only is her story like so relatable, but she is a delight. (laughs) So this is my friend, Leslie. Okay. So Leslie, do you remember how we met? don't want I don't remember how we met we used to work for LDS Family Services and I don't remember if it was your couple and my expectant parent or if it was your expectant parent and my couple but we met at a face-to-face I don't remember that I remember going to your office in Riverton and just being like she is a delight Yeah, like, well, I mean, there's just a level of vulnerability when you're pregnant that you just like, you just disregard. Sure. <laughs> you're like, anybody have any questions? <laughs> Gosh, that had to have been how many years ago? Um, years, I mean, yeah. yeah. Wow. I know, wow. right? I was probably in the thick of my yes. relationship anxiety at that point. <laughs> yes, you were, because I remember um, being like, oh, are you married? And you were like, no, and at that time I wasn't either, and so we became compadres in that, you know. Okay, so you just disclosed the key word here. We're talking about relationship anxiety and kind of that anxious avoidant dance that happens. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about you, like maybe where you're from, where this started, when this started yeah. happening for you. Yeah. So I just grew up in Sandy, Utah here. I had, I had had three siblings. I have a mom and dad who are happily married. They've been happily married, at least my knowledge, (laughs) (laughs) you know, all of my adult life. Um, I, let's see, I'm 33. I guess people want a little background right now where I'm at. So I have been married for almost eight years my wonderful husband, Jordan. Um, and so I graduated, I, I did a little bit in high school 
nothing serious, nothing ever to the point where I had to be very introspective by any means. (laughs) And then I graduated high school and went up to Utah State for college for a few years and started to really explore the dating world and dated a lot up there, had a good time. I never really got serious with anyone. Was that intentional? No, I think it was subconsciously. It it was it was. I was keeping men at arm's length. Like yeah, I didn't want them out of my life, but I didn't want them to much in my life at the same time. Okay. So I did a lot of dating, but I was still young, so I didn't really think much about marriage at that point. It was more just I'm I'm having fun. You know, I'm out of the house. I'm an adult. I'm doing adult things. Um, and then, I mean, I did, I did have a serious boyfriend in high school for years and, and then he, I am, um, LDS, so he went on a mission and I wrote him while I dated around and came back, he came back and we tried to see if it would work out and we just knew we were too different. We had completely different values. We had different personalities. We were different in, mm-hmm. in every way and it just didn't work out. And so we ended that and um, I dated around a little bit more and then my sister set me up with my now husband and I was 21 oh my gosh you were 21 when you met him yeah I was young dude you're you were I was a young chicken (laughs) (laughs) hey in Utah terms you had missed like three summers of weddings so I'm sure you were feeling old I literally said to my trainer on my mission at the, you know, spring chicken age of 21, I said, if I'm not engaged or married by the time I'm 23, I'm going to have a panic attack. Right? For some reason, 23 was like this buzz of like, you have it or you don't. What is it with 23? I don't know. But if I would have gotten married at 23, it would have been a train wreck. Oh my gosh. If I, I know. Now that I am, you know, 10 years down the road, it's like, oh, what I would do is to go back and tell myself. You're going to be just fine. (laughs) 23 is a baby. It's not just young. It's a baby. Yeah. I know. So what was the first date like? So Jordan went to high school with my older sister. And so he had been around my family a little bit. You know, my parents took all all of them on their senior trip to like Powell. He knew my sister. My parents knew him, he, you know, they didn't know him well, but they knew of him and they knew they knew he was a good guy. And my sister had been trying to set us up, you know, on and off for about a year, but I, you know, I had that missionary and then he had a girlfriend and anyway, she finally ran into him at a, a party or something. And she said, you need to go out with my sister. And, and he's, he's five years older than me. So he was 26 at the time and he called me and I had just started a new job and the shifts went late. So we decided to go to a fees game and I couldn't, we couldn't get there until like, I felt really bad. We didn't get there until like the sixth inning. It was kind of toward the end. But I just remember, and and, and I'm going to be totally honest with you, Lonnie, like 
because I think this is what people need to hear. <laughs> I remember that first date not feeling head over heels by any means, but I remember feeling a comfort that I had never felt before on other dates, meaning I could sense his goodness from the very first date, and I could sense his intentions from the very first date, and I, I left that date, and I was driving home in the car, and I called my sister, and I said, this is the first, the first time I have genuinely felt like I would totally go out with him again to get to know him more. Normally, I'm kind of the type where I go out on a date and I could instantly be like, oh, you are too much, or oh, we are not compatible, or you know, or I don't like what you did with the waiter, I don't like how you handled this, or whatever I do. Mm -hmm. But this was the first time I remember thinking, there's just something about him that I'm drawn to. Mm -hmm. That's all I, that's, that's all I could really remember at that point you know mm -hmm. all I could really say is there's something I'm drawn to mm -hmm. so did that lead to a pretty quick second date yeah it did we ended up going out we were actually going to go out with my sister and her husband they were she was married and she ended up going into labor so on your second was, date yeah ours not not when we were on the date but oh. we were supposed to go you know we were supposed to double date and she called and said we're having a baby and so um he and I went out and, well, you know what, I think I'm getting that wrong. We went mini golfing on our second date. And then the third date, we were supposed to go out. And we ended up going to the hospital to visit my new nephew on our third date. So, but the second date was just that we just kind of built, it just kind of built upon the first. We, we went mini golfing, which was fun. I mean, it was just, you know, something to do in the summer. And again, it was having a good time it wasn't like this conversation was endless because if you knew my husband he's not um he's not a chatty Kathy <laughs> he's more of, of an observer he just when he speaks he's got something to say exactly <laughs> that's exactly what it is but he has something to say and I liked that about him you know I I kind of found myself being really drawn to that and I mean, we had great conversation, and I remember they had to kick us out. They were shutting down the golf course or whatever, and they said, we've got to go home, and it was like 11 o'clock, and the same thing. You know, I drove home, and I just felt like, I really do like this guy. Like, he's a really good guy. Mm -hmm. So, so then, how soon after that did you guys get, like, hey, let's have the DTR. I want you to be my girlfriend. So... Soon after that, we um, he came, so we just kept dating throughout the summer, and I still kind of had a couple other guys I was like thinking about a little bit, and I liked him. But I he came to like town with my family, and we were together at that point, and it was in October, it was about five, four or five months, and he came to like town with us, and we were all sitting up on top of the houseboat, and I just remember kind of feeling overwhelmed in the morning of. When, it, when he got up one morning, just knowing that, that I loved him. Mm -hmm. I was in love with him and just wanted to be with him. Mm -hmm. So I would say by about that point, from then on, we were just kind of inseparable. So I think it's really interesting because a lot of my clients have a, have a hard time with even getting into the exclusive part, but that didn't seem to be your hiccup. It was like, I can date, I can be exclusive, you can be my boyfriend, you can be around my family. 
And now you're at the place where you're like, I love him. And I feel like I know I love him. But then hiccups started happening after that. Yeah, I would say I had um, some anxious undertones the entire time. Okay. I think from, yeah, throughout that summer as well. Um, I remember, I remember always kind of thinking, like I said, sensing his goodness and just knowing that he was just a wonderful person, but also thinking that, you know, I had another guy I had been dating up in Logan and I remember thinking, but that guy, he's so like charming and charismatic and people are so drawn to him. And I just remember always kind of thinking about the what if, like, what if I let him get away? Mm-hmm. No. And I, you know, because I'm focusing too much on Jordan and, you mm-hmm. know, what if I'm wasting my time? What if this isn't right? And, um, but when those moments were gone, when I didn't have the anxious moments, I felt very at peace. It was very, so it was a little bit of FOMO, like they were missing out. Okay. Absolutely. That would creep in. And I think to a certain degree, it's kind of natural because you wanting to do a compare and contrast to make sure that you feel like you're, um, truly in love and like truly with them. Sure. Um, but the fact of the matter is like, FOMO's just going to have, you're going to miss out on marrying someone else because you marry one person. (laughs) You're just going to, it's going to happen. You're going to miss out. Yeah, exactly. But you miss out on those other things because what you have in in your hand is growing and so much more safe and comfortable and enriching and what you don't want to let go. Yeah, exactly. You don't want to mess up. <laughs> so, and, and you might talk about this, we might talk about this later on down the road, but those are the things I really had to work on through my therapy is grieving, letting go of my old life. And what I had been so used to to for so many years. I mean, from 16 on, I was dating and, you know, boyfriends and kind of just doing what I wanted when I wanted. And if I didn't like something, I could call it off. You know, I mean, that was the beauty of dating. If you didn't like it, you were done and you could move on and you could date another person. And a lot of that for me was just grieving this loss of like, this isn't going to be I'm stuck with this guy and it, 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 it scared me. Like mm-hmm. if I get married, like it, this is permanent. And you know, if you're LDS, this is forever. This is eternal. And am I sure, you know, and those, I, I actually looked back in my journal and right when we started talking about marriage, which was that December is really when the anxious thoughts started to, to take over. Let's pause um, here for a minute and I want to get there. Is that okay? Yeah. Okay. Let's pause for a sec. Hey, welcome back. So we're here with my good friend, Leslie. I forgot to mention, she's also a therapist, guys. She's awesome. So she really knows her stuff and she's being brave and sharing her story. And we're right into this like juicy part where they're like, we're in love. Let's get married. And then, so go. Yes, and then, and then, oh man, it's, oh man. And then the anxious spirals just kept going and complete I did a 180 I mean I I had been a little anxious up until that point that when I remember I can tell you right when we were sitting on the couch and we started talking about marriage and it just it was it was a pit in my stomach for lack of a better word I mean it's an absolute pit in my stomach and so naturally you think well that means no 
that means this this isn't right, you know. And so from there began the roller coaster of figuring out if Jordan was the one for me. Mm-hmm. And it took me three, a total of four years from dating to finally getting married. Bless your heart and bless his heart. Three engagements. <laughs> so Two called off and one final, uh, one official one. One stuck. <laughs> one stuck. I always laugh. I've been engaged three times. We always joke now when we drive down the road. Remember when we got engaged there? Or remember that? <laughs> <laughs> I love that it's you're in a space now where you can joke about it. I'm oh, sure yeah, there was a so. time when you didn't drive past those spots on purpose. <laughs> We still laugh when we when we drive past the Tulip Festival because that was where we got engaged the second time. Um, you know, just fond memories. Do you tell your kids now as you pull in? This is where mommy and daddy got engaged the second time. Exactly. I can see them so being funny. like, "Yay!" <laughs> so walk walk me through. Share what you feel like is relevant, or what you feel like people need to know. Like how you got in there. What made you go get engaged and get back out? You know, that kind of thing. Yeah, I think I think the thing that was the hardest for me was I didn't really have as much as as much as I admired my parents' marriage, no one really told me what marriage was like and relationships in general. And you kind of have this idea that for something to be right, you just you'll know. You, you hear that so much. Trust your gut. You'll know, you'll know, you'll know. And I was at this point where I, I didn't know which way was up and which way was down. I mean, I, I couldn't trust my gut because I had no idea if the gut was doubt. I had no idea if it was anxiety. I had no idea, honestly, just how to decipher through my thoughts on, on what was reality and what wasn't. And you know, I, I didn't know at that time that it was okay to disagree with your significant other about certain things. It was okay to have conflict in your in your relationship. My parents never fought in front of us, and you know, I understand why. You know, they solved their problems as a couple behind closed doors. But I didn't really know that if you had a disagreement or something with someone that that, that you could still marry that person and still yeah. love that person and yeah. still be with that person. In my mind, they had to be like, you just had to flow. You just had to connect all the time. You know, you had to just be vibing all the time. Mm-hmm. And we weren't. Jordan and I, we are very act. We were very active. We were dating in the outdoors. You know, I was. He was big into mountain biking. I was big into skiing. We. You know, we would bike a lot together. It was honestly part of what brought, what still draws us together is just being in outdoors together. And we would have such great times together doing all of that. And then I would crash. You know, thinking he would do something that would annoy me or say something that would annoy me. And I would just fixate on that. I would fixate on it for so long. Oh, is he not smart enough? Is he not funny enough is not you know enough it was all of these enoughness questions Uh and I would fixate on them because I was expecting perfection I mean I was expecting him to to be perfect 
Mm-hmm. Now I can say he's perfect for me, mm-hmm. 100%. And he does. We are so in sync. But that's because we've learned about relationship and we've learned about marriage and we've learned about what really makes a relationship great. And Did you feel like having to learn that is the, is like, cause I think you just hit a really key point here. You had to learn that. And a lot of people think if it's the right relationship, you won't have to learn as much or Absolutely. you don't have to have a large learning curve. Absolutely. I think it's a, a huge myth that people think if it's the right one, I'm, I'm not going to have to, I'm not going to have to put in any effort or work. Mm-hmm. And It'll that's a total be... myth because think, think about when you get married, it is work, you mm-hmm. know, I mean, it's, it's work. You're, you're combining your finances, you're purchasing homes, you're having children, you know, you're, you're combining your life. Like, of course you're two human beings and, with that comes that responsibility of I there's give and take here. You know, I, I, I need to do this for you and you know, you do this for me and it's that sacrifice. And when we were dating, I honestly felt like I was very selfish in my mind. It was always what can Jordan do for me? Like what, what needs is he meeting with me? Mm-hmm. And if, if you want to go into attachment, like, Jordan came into it with a very secure attachment. And some people, some people see it secure attachment figures sometimes as boring because they are predictable. They're reliable. They know how to have conversation with you and they can, you know, they don't act irrationally when they're having that conversation with you. (laughs) And I was, I love that because it's so true. I use that word all the time, predictable, boring, and not irrational. Yes. Yes. And I love it. People think that that is, I don't want that. That means a boring marriage. You know, I have to have the drama. I have to have the ups and downs and the breaking up and the, the getting back together and all of those, you know, those feelings that are evoked in you when you're, when you're going through that process. It's for some people, it's almost addicting. It's mm-hmm. kind of like a drug. Mm-hmm because you're experiencing all of those different things and so and I had had that with previous people I was dating so Jordan comes along and he's like well sure yeah let's talk about how you're <laughs> what <laughs> what I, I just want to storm out of the house and then I want to text you later 20 times asking if you're okay and if we're broken up or not <laughs> And how we're going to get through this. And this is what I want to do. <laughs> I don't want to be a grown up. You know. <laughs> and so. For me it was. It was a lot of work. In. Acknowledging that I had a secure partner. Right in front of me. Who. Could see me through the lens of. When I'm not in my. Anxious state. He knew I was the person he wanted to marry. Because I would say, oh my gosh, I would say so many times, I don't know how you want to be with me. I'm just, I'm, I'm going crazy. I'm, I'm literally, and, I, and I'm, I'm joking about this right now with you, but in the moment, it, it, for those few years, they were very serious conversations. Like, I bet that was so painful oh, for, was for you of, and, and for him. Oh, it was extremely painful. I mean, I... 
I have never felt so much darkness and pain than I did trying to figure out marriage, how, how to get married. No. So walk me through saying yes the first time and then breaking it off. So it just, honestly, he sprung, he, the first time he sprung it on me. Okay. And I think that, that was hard for me. Mm-hmm. You know, he had picked out a reading and I didn't really know kind of what to expect. And I wasn't in a good frame of mind to begin with. And we'd only been meeting about a year. Mm-hmm. Not engaged every summer. <laughs> And we got engaged for about, I'd say, three hours. We went back to his condo. At the time, he owned a condo. and We'd been out walking, and that's when we got engaged. And we went back, and he sat down on the couch, and I just started to, to sob. And I just said, I don't I don't feel good about this. I, I, I can't move forward with this mm-hmm. right now, you know? But I, but I don't want you out of my life either. And that's where I felt so much pull, like, I couldn't just cut it off with him because I couldn't say he wasn't the one, mm-hmm. but I couldn't say at the time that he was. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, my husband being the ever rational, just sensitive, kind person that he wa- that he is, you know, he said, you know, I'd be lying if I didn't see this coming, you know, because I know you've been anxious. So let's just kind of take a step back and keep dating and figuring it out together. Did he like take the so, ring back? Like the whole yeah, thing? Yeah, I gave the ring back. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And, um, yeah, we just kind of kept, kept dating on and off for a while, you know? And so when you say off and on, you meaning like you would say, Hey, let's take a break for a couple weeks or is this months? Yeah, it was, it was me. It was my, my anxiety created such a cloud over consistency in our relationship. Like, so we would date and then I would, we'd have a weekend where I'd feel anxious or something. And so I'd kind of break it off and we'd take a break and then we'd meet up again for dinner and then it kind of start back up again and we'd hang out or, you know, we'd meet up at Utah football games because we both had season tickets and we'd end up talking forever and just enjoying the company and, doing all these things and then it would be fine for a while and then I would crash I would crash oh, I'm so sorry it's so, no, so I mean, awful I mean I can laugh about it now and I can say it you know I don't I'm not being flippant about it now because at the time at the time it, it I honestly felt I mean I remember three years into it my on Christmas day just crying and my parents saying, you know, are, are you, are you suicidal? You know, and, oh. and, and I wasn't, you know, I didn't have that, that ideation, but I've had so many times I had, sorry, I get emotional when I think about this because I just empathize so much with people who are struggling to get married. And I just remember thinking, it would be easier if I wasn't here because I, I, I can't turn my brain off. Like, I just want to turn my brain off and feel peace. And that mm-hmm. was the only, that was the only way I could describe it to my parents is I just want peace in my life. I just want peace in knowing what, what to do. You know, I have such a great man in front of me and why can't I not make this step? You no. Know? Mm-hmm. And, 
and so it was hard like you know it was a, it was a lot of tears and a lot of emotional conversations that i had with jordan and you know my parents i stopped talking to friends about it because i think friends were fed up <laughs> with me and i had honestly i got a lot of bad advice from friends <laughs> i'm sure so, you did yeah i think that's a trigger for a lot of I mean, I assume most women are listening. I'm sure men too, but I think that's a big trigger for women when they hear someone say, well, hey, I dated Bob and I felt anxious and then I met, you know, Jimmy and I, none of that showed up. And so I yeah. think he was right. Yeah. I hear that. And, and then that, that spikes your anxiety because you go, oh my gosh, well, then maybe I do need to break up with them. Yeah, they look at the presence of anxiety as information that says it's not right, rather than the presence of anxiety saying I have anxiety. Exactly. Can I get it resolved? Exactly. Can I feel better about something myself? Exactly. And I think on that note, um, sometimes women seek too much advice and they go too uh -huh. much into everybody else's story and owning that uh -huh. as their story. And I think men seek too little advice. Exactly. And they just yep. stick to themselves and what they think is best. Yep. I mean, that's still my personality. I'm an information gatherer. When I'm making a decision, I want to know everyone's experience. <laughs> I want to know how they knew when they were ready for baby number two, baby number three, or when they were going to sell their house, and all of these things. I mean, I, I can look now at patterns in my life that helped me through my therapy and I realized looking back that some of these patterns of, of people who are highly anxious with relationship anxiety are they're high achievers, meaning they're kind of perfectionistic by nature, which was me. You know, I I always did well in school, you know, like mm -hmm. I always wanted to just try my hardest, you know, I you know, I wanted, you know. That 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 was a characteristic for me. I was analytical. And people who are analytical are very prone to anxiety because, yeah, like you said, you pick apart things and mm -hmm. you want to know everyone's experiences and then you want to analyze their experiences and apply it to you instead of just being mindful and trusting yourself as a person, mm -hmm. trusting your, your judgment. I think that mm -hmm. was a huge thing for me. And then I was introspective. I was... You know, I, I'm not saying like I'm a, I'm a deep thinker, but I, I, I would think a little bit more, you know, just, I think more about things and I would turn inward. And I think as a result, sometimes that, you know, you see people who are prone to depression without those things and mm -hmm. that was me. And, and also, you know, I, I'm highly sensitive. I think mm -hmm. a lot of women by nature are. And so when you're highly sensitive to your surroundings and things, you're more easily irritated. Mm -hmm. And these are the things that I learned in therapy that because I was easily irritated, you know, you're, that means that you and your partner does something, you can fixate on it and mm -hmm. you can think so much about it that you can't, you can't really let your mind go anywhere else. Mm -hmm. No. And then lastly, I was just really, um, you know, when I make life decisions, you know, going to college or where I'm going to move, I'm more thoughtful about them. So mm -hmm. you know, why would I not be that way? 
plan on getting married? Why, mm -hmm. why that, I think that's one of the, another myth that people think is you can look back at, at the things that make you who you are. And then people think that, well, when it comes to marriage, none of that's going to apply because he's just Prince Charming and he's going to come in and sweep you off of your feet. And that is, that is a huge societal problem of ours that, that women are taught to believe that this man should come in and just fix everything for you and just be your knight in shining armor. And, you know, men are conditioned to believe that it's okay to have cold feet. I mean, you look at the movies right now. And you see that men are told that it's okay to have cold feet. And so what do they do? They recognize, oh, this feeling's just cold feet. I've been told about this before. <laughs> I know that this will pass. And then they can move forward and get married. But women aren't, you know, they're not allowed to think that way. In their mind, it's, it's Mr. Perfect coming along. So you meet someone that's a human being and has, you know, weaknesses and things that they have to work on and all of a sudden, you know, you fixate on them because they bother you. Well, you know? and I think if you're, like you said, talking, if you unpack that kind of stuff with your single friends, the response isn't, oh my gosh, that must be hard and I'm sorry and maybe don't be fixating. The response is, well, you're just so lucky to ha even have somebody and I don't have anybody. Uh, and yes, there's that absolutely. scarcity mentality that makes you kind of feel even more pressure because you're like, oh my gosh, they're right. There isn't anybody. So I have yeah. to like him, even if I you know, yeah. have to acknowledge this, like, feeling, I don't want to talk about it, I don't want to mess up our relationship, because then I could have no one. It's just this all yep. or nothing scarcity stuff. Absolutely, absolutely. Yep. 100%. You know, I think you learn, you, know, you learn, just like you said, you, you, you pick the people that you feel like you can confide in when it comes to relationship anxiety. Mm -hmm. Because, because those things are very, they're just, they're very triggering mm -hmm. and, and they're not helpful, you mm -hmm. know, and everyone tries to, to be helpful, <laughs> um, in their own ways and they're all, they're very well intentioned and, but it, it's hard. It's a lonely, it's a lonely place to be in because I don't think women talk about it enough. And I agree, you know, all, all you hear about is, oh, we, you know, dated and then we got engaged and nine months later we were married and then you don't hear anything about their marital struggles mm -hmm. you know i mean then they're very quiet there and and so you just wonder well why is this so hard for me something mm -hmm. must be wrong with me and then then you're internalizing and then the depression comes you mm -hmm. know the anxiety those things just get worse because Feel like you're going crazy mm -hmm. and that's you know that's that's a when people ask what were, what were the four what was the what were those four years like i usually say like i was going crazy mm -hmm. you know i didn't feel i didn't feel normal um when i was in an anxious state and so people i'm sure people probably think well man did you settle no oh my gosh you did no because like, well, they hear they hear how hard it was for me but i think it's when you've dated enough and even if you haven't dated enough there are feelings and beliefs one thing that my therapist helped me really one thing that i really just stuck to was she said a lot of people for them for, for them a buzzword is is do you, do you feel a connection and people go oh i don't know what a connection means 
Mm-hmm. And she would say, well, does it feel, she said, she said, I define connection as feeling like home. Mm-hmm. And so when in, in the absence of anxiety with Jordan, it felt like home. You know, mm-hmm. I, I love being able to sit on the couch with him and talk for an hour or two or not talk. I love being able to run errands and just enjoy each other's company. Mm-hmm. There was no pressure on it. I love being able to mountain bike with him and we could just enjoy the beauty and take pictures and we could sit at the top and we could have a lunch together. And I, I, I felt at home with him. Yeah. I love that. I love, love that so much because I think that's exactly where, where if if like, you just feel like you're doing life with someone. Yeah. You're not alone doing the things of life. Yeah, exactly. Let's pause for just one second and we're going to come back and kind of talk a little bit about your like second engagement and then into marriage. We, although we did go over, I want to like hear that story too. Hold on. Yeah. Okay, welcome back. We're here with my darling friend, Leslie, and she is just giving us so much stuff. I'm literally taking notes um, with just her perspective on anxiety in a relationship, and she's just been so vulnerable, and I'm just so grateful that you chose to come on here because I know that sometimes this can be really scary stuff. So I'd love to hear a little bit about the second engagement, like what happened and... Yeah, yeah. So our second engagement... Oh gosh, this is, you're making me go back, Lonnie. <laughs> <laughs> I told Jordy he could listen to this later because he goes, I want to hear it. Yeah. Um, our second engagement was um, at the Tulip Festival, and that was a multiple. We were probably engaged for three months. We announced it to family. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was. We had reserved it a place up at Snowbird to do a dinner and reception, and and. Uh, you know, we, the, the ball, the ball was moving. Okay. <laughs> it was in motion. You know, I, you know, I had a wedding dress and we went up one time to, to Stanford to look at the venue, to kind of look at tables and that all too familiar feeling of the pit in my stomach came back mm-hmm. and I just crashed. And, and, and when I say that I crashed, it's, the best way I can explain it is I didn't have the emotional maturity to really express. I, I, I didn't know what was going on with me at the time. So because of that, I didn't know how to express what I was feeling. And so by crashing, it was I would sometimes lash out and I would become a little bit irrational and I would be really nitpicky and dramatic and just things that didn't feel like me, but I honestly kind of felt like it wasn't even of myself like mm-hmm. I, I felt a little just out of control and and that was hard on me for being someone who is very much in control you know mm-hmm. I want to be in control <laughs> so we ended up calling that one off was that and, mutual uh, yeah well it was me again saying I you know I can't get married feeling like this and uh-huh. understood you know I don't want you to get married feeling like this <laughs> and you know, it, so again, we said, can we just take a, a break and kind of cool it down and, and 
see what happens. And we ended up actually kind of really breaking up for a month or two there. And of course, it's that connection feeling that we just kept being drawn back to each other. Um, who, who made that first call or that first text? Oh, I mean, I think we were always kind of in contact. Because here's the thing is, you know, it's really hard. I think it's my teacher. Someone said something that was incredibly validating to me. So it was my mom. It was my mom. And she said, you know, breaking off an engagement like this, this is, this is hard. It, it's kind of like going through a divorce, you know, like you're so used to something and then all of a sudden something, it changes, you know, you need to be able to grieve that. And I remember being like, oh. like I, and, and, and she said, it's not as simple as just all of a sudden you cut off contact. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like you, you're, you've been in this person's life. He's been in your life for three years, two years, whatever. At that point, it was two. And, you know, you've, you've done so much together. I mean, Jordan and I traveled so much together, like with family and friends. And, and we just invested a lot in each other's lives. And, mm-hmm. you know, we supported each other through our master's programs. I mean, you don't just end something like that and then you say, well, I'm out of here. We're not talking. So we, we always check in with each other. You know, mm-hmm. we're always, you know, hey, how you doing today? And, we, we could still tell each other we loved each other. Did know? either of you and try to date other people? We did. So we got to a point where we got, we got back together for another year. And then that next year, the third year, there wasn't an engagement. But Jordan finally said to me, it was in the fall, he said, if you can't say that you're going to want to marry me now, then we, we need to break up for good and, and not talk, you know, and mm-hmm. not not be in each other's lives mm-hmm. and I was devastated but I, I knew that was what needed to happen I, I was devastated mm-hmm. you know, my best friend and so we did we broke we broke up and that's that is when the work really began for me that was when I honestly did an overhaul of my life and like an inventory <laughs> what's working in my life and what's not and um is that when you did therapy yeah i actually i actually had gone to we went to one therapist together Mm -hmm. you know i i brought him with me kind of when we were we weren't like back together we weren't telling people like i mean he was such he's so great lonnie i mean he would come to therapy with me and just listen and Mm -hmm. he'd leave and the therapist would say to me in the next session you know he seems like a really great guy yeah (laughs) You know, I mean, everything that I can now see with clear eyes, obviously being on the other end, but so hard to see when you're making the decision. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, that that was when the work began for me because I thought I will lose him forever if I don't start figuring out what's, what's going on with me mm-hmm. and where these things are coming from. And, you know, I did a lot of work. I did a lot of spiritual work and you know, a lot of emotional and mental work and, you know, just focusing on myself. And, and at the time we were dating other people and I was back to dating. I mean, there was a guy that I dated for a couple months and it was funny. I felt like I was right back to how it was before I dated Jordan. He was a great guy, but he was just not 
what I wanted long term in somebody and mm-hmm. and but you know I was waiting I mean I could tell you all the, the details but I, and I won't but it's like I was just waiting like doing this work knowing that I can't let Jordan sitting here waiting for me you know he's got to move on with his life yeah and doing totally. all this work just for me and and then I had a you know, it was a culmination of months of just of work where I finally approached him and said, I'm ready to marry you. I, I'm a hundred percent in, and you know, I had some very, I won't share it here, but I had very just spiritual experiences for me that I can't deny. And, mm-hmm. and you know, I, and this is where you're going to laugh. I said to him, I remember it was December 19th. <laughs> I went over to his condo and I said, I, I want to marry you. And I, I feel so good. I've done the work. And he said to me, Les, I'm not sure I'm in love with you anymore. Oh, it, oh I know. Right. Right. Like plot twist. What? You know, the one person that I've always relied on my whole, the last three and a half years has loved me unconditionally. Now is not sure if he loves me anymore because we've had four months away, five months away. Mm-hmm. And I was devastated. I was, I was devastated. I just thought I did all of this. I mean, obviously it's going to benefit me just as a person, but with the hopes that Jordan would still be there. Mm-hmm. And I said to him, he was dating another woman at the time. And I said, okay, well, you know, if you, if you change your mind, you know that I would marry you tomorrow. <laughs> mm-hmm. Finally, we went, we ended up skiing. He, he called me and said he wanted to get back into dating. It was a few months later. And I said, Hey, but if we're doing it, like we're all in, we're all in. And this was new for him because I had never been like that before. You're like, you are always. marrying me and that is it. And if you can yes. agree to that, we are hanging up. <laughs> exactly. I was like, we do not need more time to know if we're the right person for each other. Right. <laughs> and so, I mean, after that, I remember we had that we were skiing on Valentine's Day and then we got into of March Madness and six weeks later we were married so and that those were the happiest uh, my wedding day was the happiest day of my life mm. I mean, it beats I'm gonna get emotional <laughs> it beats this is gonna sound crazy but it beats the birth of my children for the best days of my life because I had just put so much work into finding my life partner, but knowing that there you had been in front of me this whole time, I had so much clarity and peace on my wedding day that it just, I mean, it set the, it it changed the course of my life. You know, I I found the person that I want to have my babies with and I want to do life with and to not just be at that point where I'm no longer questioning was, was a really good feeling. Oh my gosh, I'm like bawling. And I I guess I just want to like kind of cry with you for a second because you're talking about this is like triggering some of my single anxiety too. And like just having those feelings come back in and being in that pit. um, It's why I do what I do because like I don't think it gets acknowledged enough that these years are so hard. No, they're very hard. And you are unpacking so much of your own personal stuff while everyone else's seems like moving on without you. 
And you just constantly every day wake up and like, is there something wrong with me? It's so hard. It's, oh, Bonnie, I'm just like, you're doing this work. It's, it's invaluable because it it needs to be talked about. You know, we, we need to hear more about women's stories and how it's not all roses for everybody. Yeah, you know, totally. state, isn't that funny how it's, it's the transition to motherhood. Yeah. You have moms who immediately, the second their babies are born, they are all in and there's no anxiety. There's no postpartum depression. And it is, it is their life calling and great for them, you know, and then there are other women who it is a struggle to bond and it is a struggle to attach to that baby. And there's work that has to be done on the mother's part mm-hmm. to get to that point where you feel that love. Mm-hmm. But do both people arrive at that feeling that, you know, overwhelming feeling of love for their children? Absolutely. But yeah. does it mean that one was better than the other? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the same with, with marriage is how you arrive to your life partner doesn't have to be the same as your best friend from high school or your sister or whatever. All that matters is that you feel that inner peace that this is the person you want in your life with and that you're mm-hmm. going to show up that you know that real love means you're showing up for each other at the same place at the same time. And, so and it takes the time to get there, you know, mm-hmm. so I'm glad you're doing this, Bonnie. <laughs> Well, thanks for joining me on it. I do have one question. When you say that's when I got to work, what was the work? What did you do? Like you journaled, you meditated, like what did yeah. you do? Yeah, the work for me, I actually found, I, I, I found an online therapist that had some courses for me that were amazing, mm-hmm. I mean, amazing, amazing, amazing. And it, she had a, a, a host of women, thousands of women on this message board that we're going through the exact same things that I was. And that was incredibly validating to just mm-hmm. know, okay, in my, and this, and LDS culture is unique in and of itself because we're so fine-tuned to eternal marriage and families. And, you know, it, you, you do get anxious when you feel like you, you're not having that. So it was nice to know that there are women out there, just different countries and states who are experiencing what I'm experiencing mm-hmm. just as women in general. And, Part of that work for me was understanding that 99% of my anxiety and our problems in our relationship were from me feeling a fear of loss and failure in my life. Interesting. That was the root. For me, it was, I can look back now and think and know that at the time I didn't realize I was doing it, but I was constantly challenging Jordan is he gonna leave is he am I gonna lose him in my life if I don't connect fully with him then that that protects me from feeling the feelings of loss you know that going all in you know is is a risk Mm -hmm. it's an amazing risk that pays off and through that I learned a lot about how most of my feelings were projection on Jordan projecting things to him is he smart enough is he good enough will he provide all these things were really me saying to myself like am i good enough you know am Mm -hmm. i smart enough here am i spiritual enough i mean how i could sit and you know nitpick jordan to death when really it was 
all, all of my shortcomings, you know, things that I needed to work on and understanding what real love really meant. And so a lot of that was journaling. You know, I have a, I had a gratitude list that I wrote down things about Jordan constantly. And I actually had those. I still have them on my phone. I, I look back at them and I just like smile because they're just wonderful things, you know, and mm-hmm. I'm so glad I had that to look back on, but mm-hmm. it was a lot of mindfulness. And then it was a lot of learning to turn toward my partner mm-hmm. when, when I'm experiencing anxiety. And for me, an out, an easy out was, well, just, I'm going to go home for the night and we don't need to talk for a few days or we don't need to see each other for a few days. But it, it was learning to turn toward him and to consciously change my thoughts and recognize that I'm in a projection right now. Like I'm feeling this right now. Mm-hmm. And how I can combat this is turning toward him, putting my arm on him, you know, tickling his back, telling him, you know, while I'm feeling really anxious right now and I can't really tell you why this is what's going on and this is what I need from you. Mm-hmm. you know, and that clicked for us because he knew how to do it. You know, he knew when to give me space. And there were times where I would be annoyed, like, oh, I don't want you to send me articles on, <laughs> you know, what real love is. Like, I'd get annoyed that he was over here trying to help me out, you know. <laughs> but a lot of it was just the work on my end of needing to turn toward, to turn toward him versus mm-hmm. away from it's really easy to do that when you're dating mm-hmm. turn away from them and to, to go to family and friends and, you feel justified and, in turning away absolutely yes. yes you hit on something that i want to speak on too um and that is that like the risk and you know really being all in it feels sometimes like you're lending your heart out and it's like an endless exist outside of your body and someone else is going to carry it around and you're like you better not mess that up you yep. know, and oh, then it like drives around and you're like, don't get in a car accident. <laughs> like, totally. it's just this, this, like, it, it just feels sometimes so scary to like, let that part of you out to let it love. And I think the same experience for me and probably for you too, is like when your children are born and then your heart is now in their body. <laughs> And then yeah, you have totally. this whole family that has all of your heart and you're just like trying so hard to do the right things and be the right person for them. And yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that's what it feels like. I think when you, when you have love, real and, and boring you know, love. And, <laughs> yeah. And you know what? Real love. And this is something that was hard for me at the beginning to, to understand that real love is a choice. It's a conscious choice that you make. And yeah. And people, again, it goes back to thinking like it's just going to happen to you. You're going to stumble upon it and the stars will align and it's just real love. And there's going to be nothing that you need to do about it. It's just there. And some couples have that like pass in their relationship where they get the butterflies and they, you know, for the first little while. Other couples struggle from day one. You know, I can say now, I get more butterflies now being married than I did dating. And it's because we we show up for each other and we know what real love is. And we know now, we just, we know each other so well that 
Yeah, I mean, then it doesn't mean we don't have our problems. It doesn't mean we don't have to talk through things or when we find that we haven't communicated well mm-hmm. for a little bit. I mean, we, we have to sit down and have talks like that. But but I find myself still getting butterflies and feeling the best way I can describe it now is like when I accept Jordan for who he is and I know that he an imperfect human being, just like I am, I am much more willing to meet him halfway and to just to just let him be. And when yeah. I can let him, when he can be, then he's the best person that he can be, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I'm not sitting here making him this object of my desire, this, like, Prince of perfection and have him on this pedestal. When I bring him down to like he's a human being that just loves incredibly well, and he works on these things. Like I see his growth and he sees my growth. That's how you love, you know. Mm-hmm. That's that's how you. That's how real love is formed. When you're supporting each other and you're seeing those sides of each other that have been those vulnerable sides that you know when you let your guard down that nobody else sees. So that's when you feel that love with each other mm-hmm. and people don't want to see it for some reason. It's like we're conditioned that you can't have that in, when you're dating. Mm-hmm. No, it just has to be perfect. Mm-hmm. So. Oh my gosh, Les, thank you so much for being here and for taking the time to share your story. I know that you're going to impact so many people as they hear this and can identify with it. And I just love you. And I'm glad that I get to be your friend and Jordan's friend. <laughs> and the only thing I, I, I love Jordan and interacting with him. And like, there's just this one thing that I always remember when I'm with him. And that's that he likes homemade pear jam. <laughs> oh. So whenever I like come, I'm like, Oh, did I bring him some jam? <laughs> Totally. So he I loves. owe him some jam for letting you jam yeah, with me. Yeah, come on, Monty. Bring us some jam. I don't have that amazing pear tree anymore, though. No, I don't. But I can still make it. <laughs> oh, you're the best. No, I have And those are the... You know what's so funny? Sorry. Just, those are the things that you just start to love about your partner. Those little things. Like, mm-hmm. Jordan loves being in the garden. He's a green thumb. Like, he's out, like teaching my kids about how this plant works and how this grows and how, you know, how he takes care of, you know, he's got a salsa garden and then he's got his flowers over here. And like, he just, these things that you just, you think, you know, when you're dating, you think, you know, about love. Right. And then you get married to them and you're like, how did I get you? Exactly. You know, you are it's like, awesome. hang on. You know, my, my advice is hang on. Do the work when you know that you have someone in front of you that doesn't have the red flags. Um, you know, I would say addiction red flags or their inability to empathize or your values are severely misaligned. You know, you've got a good person in your life. Like, do the work. It doesn't, my, my, and it might mean that they're not, you know, right for you, but do the work before you call, you know, before mm-hmm. you call it off or, or break it off. Yeah, because I feel like the attraction is a gift. Yes. And when you're attracted to them and they're a good person and, like, you keep kind of finding your way back to each other, like, just do the work. Exactly. It's a lifelong practice and it mm-hmm. just gets better. Like a good change. Yeah, it gets better with age. <laughs> <laughs> I love it.
Okay. Well, thanks everybody for joining us. Thanks, Leslie. You're welcome. We love you. Okay. Talk to you guys later. Thank you so much for listening to the Dating Counselor podcast, where I help you build a successful relationship. It would mean so much to me if you could rate, review, and subscribe to my podcast so that we can change the way dating is happening and everybody can have a successful experience. If you do, please send me a screenshot. I would love to see your review and share it on my social media. Thanks so much for listening. Have a good one. Peace and blessings. This podcast and the social media associated with it represents the opinions of Lonnie K. Harmon, LCSW, and her guests to the show. The content here is intended to be psychoeducational and should not be taken as specific mental health advice. The content here is for informational and educational purposes only, and because each person is so unique, please consult your mental health professional for any mental health questions. Views and opinions expressed in the podcast and social media are her own and that of her guests to the show. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions, or corrections of errors. Privacy is of, is of utmost importance to us. All people, places, and scenarios mentioned in the podcast have been changed to protect client confidentiality. This podcast should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever, including but not limited to establishing standard of care in a legal sense or as a basis for expert witness testimony. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast. In no way does listening, reading, emailing, or interacting on social media with our content establish a therapist-client relationship. If you find any errors in any of the content of this podcast, please send a message to Lonnie at Lonnie at MillCreek-Counseling.com. That's Lonnie, L-O-N-I, at MillCreek-Counseling.com.